0: Yeah, oh yeah, we're doing this thing, right? I, I, Luke Thomas, I think, I think it's Friday, August 11th, 2023, but in the space-time continuum, we're recording this before, or maybe after it actually airs, one of those things. But I'm Brian Campbell, you're Luke Thomas, and people always wonder, why do these losers always win all these awards? Because Luke, we're willing to fill your holes on our days off too, are we not?
1: And from what I can only guess is a, at most a three-star motel. I mean, there's no way that they recommend this place on TripAdvisor, right?
0: I, I can't speak too much too well to that. I should probably can I zoom in a little bit more here live. Oh, look at this. We're not live. There we go. Okay, look, I'm here. This is the award winning morning combat. I mean, it's such a good show, it's ridiculous, right? It's so good that we will even do it from hotel room motel rooms, excuse where, me. Where where are you right now? I'm in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay, the site they call it Bethlehem. Corey Manichi of Malka fame, Luke, is from yeah. this town. Is from this town right here. Look at me. Hi, I'm VC. So I'm the, like the like the loose, happy-go-lucky host of the two. If this is your first time, and my pedantic, self-loathing partner is right there, Luke Thomas, and um. This is like, hey, I'm on vacation and you're on vacation, but we still love our fans, so why don't we answer their questions, Luke? Why don't we fondle their mailbag, if you will? Will you? (laughs) 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 Hey, Mikey made us do this show. We might as well deliver uh, it, all right? This
1: show is an advertisement for uh, our eventual firing. I mean, we, we are just, I mean...
0: Do you know what my okay. second favorite moment of European vacation was? Hmm. Because my first was when Rusty got that German girl at the, at the Oktoberfest scene in the back. And she like, you know, remember that part? That was pretty decent, right? Mm-hmm. But number two was, do you remember when they were knocking on the door looking for their relatives? And uh, Chevy Chase was like, my family and I are looking for sex. But really, he meant six, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I guess you had to be there. The which end.
1: one? Which movie was it where he gets lost in New York and then he asks the guy for directions and he's like, "Man, fuck your mama." I was say, that was St. Louis.
0: Give me directions to the freeway. That was the first Vacation movie. Thank you very much. That so one we, is
1: that one is stupendous.
0: Well, they're all great except for Vegas Vacation, the fourth one that we're going to pretend never happened. Um, so what we did here was we solicited our male listeners by offering a mail bag. Because uh, we've got Ben meningitis <laughs> when it comes to our listeners, right? It's raining men. Hallelujah. So these questions, folks, are from you, the viewer. Uh, thank you for tipping the waiters. Mikey Mormel of CBS Sports on the ones and twos. And you can probably buy our merch somewhere. But th- that's our follow channels below. And morningcombat.store is a great place to wear a bomber jacket in the summertime. Thank you. Hopefully average Joe by by this point. Hopefully. Oh, wait, that's a sp- probably, probably. spoiler free shows from this point forward. All right, Luke, you want me to get into it? Or do you have any preamble? I mean, look, we're allowed vacations. They can hate on us, but we are allowed vacations.
1: I would say that uh, I haven't seen it as I'm recording this. But by the time the audience sees it, I'll have watched the movie Oppenheimer. Oh, so wow. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going to I'm going to see Oppenheimer.
0: OK, but will because you are not only a loving husband, but a hashtag girl dad, like the late Kobe Bean Bryant, would this be a Barbenheimer double bill for your family? Will you see both the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer?
1: My wife already saw Barbie, and she said it's really not appropriate for Violetta. So okay, they can't they can't take her. And uh, they, a they've already seen it, so no, they're just gonna let me go,
0: and uh, they're gonna chill. So they don't okay. they don't want to go see Oppenheimer. No, that's not a that's not a Tukes approved movie, but I, I can't wait to hear your review. Are you gonna see it on vacation or wait, when are we filming this again? Uh no, I'm still working at this point in the okay. space-time continuum. Yeah, <laughs> this feels a little bit like back to the future, right? I'm not really sure what year. Are we in dystopian nineteen eighty-five? I'm not sure right now, but uh yeah. All right. Hey, our first question, Luke, came in under the uh Auspices of Combat Sports from Victor Sanchez-Castro8944. Do you think that's the year and date that Victor Sanchez-Castro was born? August 9th, 1944. He would have way older balls than us. Uh, Those are some saggy
1: balls. Let's see what you got. You see that guy's
0: balls? They were weird. Luke, who is having the better year in terms of putting on entertaining and meaningful fights? Get this. MMA. Or the box 2023. Dude, Who is having how the is better this, year?
1: How how is this even in
0: debate? I mean, but is it real- though? Is it? Huh? It's, is is there a debate? And I say that respectfully because yeah, yeah, boxing's having the best year in 20 years, but or maybe I don't know. I, I could I could pinpoint 2013 and 2007 as great years as well. But MMA, would you say it's been a bad year or just a no. bad PR year?
1: It's been a bad. I don't even know if it's been that bad of a PR year. I mean, I guess, well, yeah, it's it, listen, the weird the, the year got started off weird with the whole incident with Dana and his wife, which was obviously ugly and uh you know not awesome. And then the whole slap fighting thing has been weird. Yeah, and you know, Connor's been weird. It's and then Ariel you know, it's not,
0: keeps 10 sevening people, and it just got weird. You know, it's lots like of, lots,
1: of, lots of conflict, lots of just weird things going on. And so, like, listen, the UFC has a very strong roster. And they've got strong broadcast partners they're going to be able to put out um even on a even on a, we- a year that's like not where not everything is going well they're still going to be able to produce a pretty good product but there's complaints about the apex as well still i think the ufc like 290 was strong 291 strong and oh, there's yeah. been a lot of other ones there's been a lot of other ones that have been really strong and uh you know what i would just say personally i don't know how you feel but i just feel like plus the ufc's got like guaranteed revenue like the business is fine in mma there's nothing wrong with it but what's happening in boxing is extraordinary and the ufc is not having that no
0: no they aren't they could maybe they will soon maybe they will in the second half
1: the ufc had a lot of dude the ufc has had a lot of extraordinary years and the way the market is set up it's probably likely to have more uh it's just that is it happening right now no it is not can i ask you a
0: question about your mma fandom yeah And this will be the combination of you being a fan and a fan-friendly, interested journalist who loves great fights. What has been the most redeeming, most rewarding year watching MMA in your existence?
1: Boy, that's a good one. Well, you can't... So I first discovered UFC from a friend uh, back in 1994. I mean, I guess that would be like, you know... The thing that planted the seed in my brain, but the year where I really just heavily leaned into it. Um, been watching it before, but I'm gonna say 2005 was a not my favorite year, but that was a really big year for um really getting involved and in doing stuff. And then I would say probably 2000, like in the Brock Lesnar run 2009 ish, 2010 yep. ish, those were man, those were big. Those were big years in my life, for sure. There's something
0: about having a lightning rod atop the sport, whether it was Lesnar, whether it was Rousey, or whether it was McGregor. And that's different than having a John Jones GSP, Anderson Silva, consistent force. Now, Anderson Silva was more than just a consistent force. When he was doing Anderson Silva things at his peak, those were like chapters in our viewing lives where it's like, oh my God, I was there when he front kicked Vitor, watching or whatever. But you do need those times, Luke, when there's that rocket ship atop the promotion, where you just have to tune in, and, and that's why I put Brock, Ronda, and Connor together. Yeah, the, right. The, the Lesnar years cannot be overlooked for that regard. Ronda was like a kind of a handoff between those two runs of Brock to Connor. But dude, Connor's peak, and I'm talking 2016, Luke, as the, the true peak. There's never been a year in covering or watching MMA like 2016. Am I wrong? I think I'm right. I think I'm yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm only telling you like personally which ones really had a big impact, but there's no doubt that the the impact of Rhonda and Connor together and like not a huge gap between what Lesnar was doing and then Ronda Rousey kind of took off, and then not a huge gap before Connor took off. Like there was a almost not quite a handoff, but there was really no not a lot of downtime, let's say, between these interesting, like lightning rods you're talking about, these peaks. And, dude, it just electrified the sport. So, dude, the UFC's had a really great long run. Don't get me wrong. It's just, dude, 2023 for boxing is,
0: golly, what a it's great consistent. Year. The big fights have been happening. And then on top of that, they've delivered. On top of that, they've delivered. You know, I mean, and they don't even have – here's the cool thing. If somebody would have told you in advance that the biggest fights this year in boxing would be one-sided walkthroughs, right, a new way over Fulton, Crawford over Spence, to some degree Tank over Ryan. And even though we loved ourselves some Caleb Plant in the buildup, yeah, Benavidez kind of steamrolled him too. But Luke, that, does, that didn't affect the fun. It didn't affect the aftermath. It was, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, boxing typically gives you the fights you'll accept but not the fights you want, and then a mixture of bad decisions and moments that make you get out of it. Man, this year's just been like – they're going to stick the fist in and twist it a little, but th- but no one's going to get injured.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, these are all complicated scenarios, and
0: it's a little subjective. Well, let me ask you. You were turned off by the fist analogy. That- that's really where we're at right
1: now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, in terms of my fandom, it's like people are asking me these days. That's not exactly what you're asking me, but I'm just sort of like pointing it out that people have been asking me, oh, you seem like more of a boxing fan these days. And it's like, well, dude, again, it's not like MMA's having a bad year. That's not really what I'm saying. It's not really true. And our our, our producer Mikey is pointing out March was strong with London and John Jones, no doubt about it. Um, so again, it's not like MMA's fine. Uh, but I in terms of all of my years covering boxing, and again, there's not there's plenty of people who have plenty more. This is the most special year by far. Like by yeah. far, by far, by far. Uh, and I covered some some ones that were I covered Mayweather Canelo that's where I met BC I covered Mayweather Mac I covered Mayweather Pacquiao and those were obviously bigger you know they they did more business but the stakes of this one felt like you know dude here's the thing man when you cover enough boxing fights you know what you realize is you can really begin to see how much bullshit is part of the narrative about what goes into justifying some of these fights, you know, yeah. like why is Pacquiao fighting this guy? And you would hear all these arguments about like why they were fighting. you'd be like, I guess that accumulatively makes enough sense where you can understand why they did it. And like the, a lot of the fights this year haven't been that they've been the ones that they, that you wanted that matter that were direct, clear, understandable. And then with Spence Crawford, it's like it needed nothing. There was nothing else you needed to say about that. The authenticity was, rock solid diamond from from beginning to end and so like just tell me what what have you seen in mma Volc, and um and islam getting after it is about the, the closest thing and that is tremendous yeah. but it's not
0: on par with that it's not on par with that. no it isn't but you're right mma has not had an awful year it's had a bad year pr wise we've had to basically fill time on our podcast with a lot of stuff we'd rather not be talking about in comparison to what we normally are talking about which are great fights and which ones are coming next. But it is interesting. Um, 2007, I just want to remind people that if you're boxing fans, look, in that one calendar year, you got Mayweather De La Hoya, Mayweather Hatton, Cotto Margarito won. Jesus um, Kessler versus Calzaghi, unbeaten champion. Dude, some champion dude, that's, a, that.
1: that's, a, dude that's a sleeper fight.
0: Yep. Uh, Cotto versus Mosley at Madison Square Garden, which was one of the sleeper, great welterweight fights of this uh, stretch. And that's just like the marquee events. That it, but back then, it was every week you were still getting banged pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I'll I, I, Believe me, I, I regret the fist analogy. But good question there to start off from Victor Sanchez Castro. Uh, let's go over, Luke to 114th dream nine. That's his name, Luke. I don't know if that's a Bob Dylan reference or uh, what. Do you guys believe that aliens have come here? And uh, if it were proven to be undeniably true, I think it is. Have you been watching those congressional hearings or whatever that thing was? Uh, would you be shocked, amazed, anything at all? Luke Thomas, let's check in on your 2023 summer opinion. Is there life beyond earth and this what we know about the Milky Way? Have celestial, terrestrial, celestial beings touched down on this planet, Luke? I mean, I thought I heard some stuff where they admitted it, right? Didn't they recently admit it that they've been? So,
1: I mean, I didn't follow it closely because I didn't have you know, dude, that's Spence Crawford week, which is, I mean. You didn't have
0: room for aliens in your life that week? Look, or- I mean,
1: I didn't have, I mean, it beat the bags off of me. So uh, so uh, all I saw were, were, you know, like passing articles that I got, you know, for 30 seconds to read. My understanding is that their testimony of the guys, because you still remember there's a couple of guys like doing this during a congressional hearing. I think the whole thing fell apart because A, they don't have any like forensic evidence that's reliable. And then more to the point, I guess these guys have also like, you know, part of their scientific method is to use psychics. And I was like, uh, that seems pretty disqualifying. So I don't know if yeah. I believe them, but I will tell you what, man. And also there were some, uh, God, who reported this? Someone reported recently, there had been some, uh, CIA documents that were over time declassified. And one of them was that they had air force pilots doing media tours to just, dis- uh, like, to do like, Hey, we've seen evidence of UFOs all to distract from some other kind of war making effort they were doing at the time. And like there's documents detailing it. So like, here's my view. My view on this is basically like, I am absolutely open to the idea. The universe is, is, is enormous beyond like human comprehension. It's, 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 you know, you can compute it to a degree, but it is nevertheless uh, expansive in the most dramatic of ways. They, statistically, it is only uh, near certainty there's going to be other forms of life and advanced life. Whether they have made contact with us, I've not seen enough evidence. Yeah, wake clarify. up, people.
0: Wake but up, I'm open.
1: Real. I'm open to the idea. I'm open I to I think the it's idea. real.
0: I mean, I've never, you know, I haven't lived my life as like an alien truther or, you know, a telescope out my window trying to prove anything. But on a 3 a.m. drive home from ESPN one time, I did see a... A flying object, Luke, that appeared and then over my head and then d- instantly disappeared at high speeds. And then I asked a guy who was driving home behind me if he had seen that the next day at work. And he said, Yeah. And I have no idea what that was. And it was weird. I also believe that, you know, the whole thing on ghosts and spirits, Luke, there's some, dude, there's a lot of stuff that's real, Luke. But here's a more important question than my beliefs on this Would you demand alien life to present a positive COVID test before you allow them to infiltrate you and pro uh,
1: do we have good ones for aliens? And do we have sub
0: question to that, is it cheating on your wife? If it's alien sex, Luke,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I figured you'd be the one who could be the guy who did whippets in the back of an RV would be, <laughs> I think, Isn't much it? better situated to tell me about, yeah. about you know the buns with
0: aliens. Luke, she if probably, we ever could do a show, Like we do room RSD 1.0 for fun once in a while, but you know, we're, we're, we're also actively trying not to get fired, but I would like to tell you on camera one time, maybe on a Patreon about certain nights where yes, I was dabbling in the recreational yes extensively, but shit happened Luke. And I'm never going to forget what it saw, what I saw, what it felt like, like I've seen some shit Luke. Okay. Not all the times that I've seen some shit has it been drug related? By the way, for the record, that I was about to say, what are you
1: what are you about to declare to me right here? What are, what, what is this a preamble? To no, you?
0: no, I have not crossed over to the other life and and consummated. It, if that's the okay. direction that you're going, there's been no. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. I was just curious. I've just had so I've had some moments, Luke. I've had some unexplainable moments. And then you're like, I've never had
1: anything like that. You know, I've had 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 some
0: things. People won't be surprised by that. You know, you know, look, there's a portion of our population on the show. And by portion, I mean 70% of our population because they're all your P1 MMA only fans. I hate this clown. I think they literally think I'm like do you remember those words that <clears throat> Bud Crawford dis- used to describe Ellie Sekbeck that we can't say anymore in 2023 at the yes, press conference? The, other, I
1: think, the, the R word, yes.
0: Yeah, I think people actually believe, Luke, that you found me on the side of the road, that I'm uneducated swine, although I am a very proud college dropout Um In that, you know, in that, like, I don't even have journalistic training or experience that, like, that same bomb that you refused to spot in your yard could have been me and could have been your co-host. That's what people really think, Luke.
1: I don't think that they think that at all. Why do you believe, why do you believe that?
0: I I hear things. I see things and I hear things, Luke. Same things I heard and saw with the aliens, to be fair. I don't know. Um, I
1: feel like, I feel like you have a lot of people who, for good reason, know that you are absolutely infantile and probably somewhat brain damaged. But nevertheless, occasionally humorous and, you know, otherwise tolerable.
0: (laughs) Well, the good thing about my humor, Luke, is even if it doesn't land like John Starks in Game 6 of the 94 NBA Finals, I'm going to keep shooting. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to keep shooting.
1: Practice makes perfect. You know what I'm saying?
0: All right. Let's go back to another uh, question. Oh, so, yeah. So the alien thing. Yeah, I do believe. But, Luke, there's going to have to one day be a moment where, like, the government admits it. And then we have a press conference. And then they, like, bring the alien out. Do you th- like? Do you think it'll look like when that happens? All the, you know, movie TV based characters of aliens that we've come to see ET and bullshit, or do you think that they're shapeshifters, or is it more like the end scene in Total Recall? Spoiler alert: When Charles, the guide, reveals when he pulls his sleeve off that he's actually. Um, you know, part lizard, and then his like arm came out. It was after the third boob scene. But do you think, what do you think they're going to look like, Luke? Us, just a little different, or what? Uh,
1: uh, I think that uh, even speculating in this direction is absurd. Yeah. (laughs)
0: All right. You know, I, once in a while, I, I mean, if you think about, like, temple. if you think about,
1: if you think about this, like, other forms of life have been here, right? So, for example, there have, they have, I don't know if they've ever collected it off a meteor, but they have collected off of rocks floating in space or maybe certain meteorite objects there, bacteria that they discovered off of this rock, essentially. And, like, is this an alternate form of life? Like, technically, it would be, it would be an alien form of life, this bacteria that they discovered. But you're, what you're asking is like some kind of, basically some civilization that has the capacity to cross vast expanses of the universe in order to make contact with us in covert and, you know, butt sex sort of ways. (laughs) I don't know know
0: about that, Luke, because I don't know what type of parts they have. That's why I question that.
1: So, I mean, I think a lot of this is just a lot of bored... Uh, country bumpkins just making up shit. But okay, I'm open but to the idea what, it could be true.
0: That's what MK Mailbag holiday episodes are. A lot of yeah, poor country bumpkins here. Very true. Here. Yeah. Very true. Uh, Luke from Munching Tiger 4330. Is that different than The Crouching Tiger, Luke?
1: Hidden um, Dragon, bro. It's a good movie too.
0: What if judges had to wear headsets where they hear only the microphones above the cage so that would they would hear the impact of the shot as well. Impact is the word I read a lot while going through judging criteria. Criteria Make sense or not, Luke? So, Luke, he's saying an MMA judge, I guess it would work for boxing too, would have an earpiece that's directly tied to a microphone that's hanging right above the head of the combat sports participants. Would that allow them to hear the impact?
1: Well, I got to tell you, you can tell, I don't mean to demean the question because the question comes out of good faith place, right? So let's be, let's treat it that way. But like, you know, this is a bad idea because what basically people are trying to do is find some kind of technical solution to a much bigger problem where it's like, hey, what kind of like literally production equipment and production process can we use to ultimately solve a problem, which is how do we judge impact, right? How do we judge damage? How do we, how do we make assessments? Are they visual assessments Are the auditory assessments? And then saying, Oh, we'll give you some kind of technological aid to bridge that gap. I mean, I'm not saying that couldn't like, I'm not saying technological aids aren't helpful. Like instant replay is helpful. Having a monitor can be helpful, but these ultimately are complementary. not, not, um, they cannot supplant, what needs a better process that needs to be in place and a better criteria and a better a better overall way of examining fights. I don't think this, I don't think like extra micro, and by the way, only UFC and shit like that could afford it. Well, what would regional promoters do? You'd still get bad decisions if that's what your solution would ultimately be. It's not really workable at scale either. So no, not not a good solution.
0: Uh, let's keep it going. This is Dakota Hope 8028. What do you think Terrence Crawford's next move is Do you think he will eventually move up and fight Canelo? How do you think a fight between the two of them will play out? So, Luke, we're recording this early before it goes, but we don't think Crawford will have a fight or any, you know, real direction moving forward. But he has done some interviews of late and moving up to 154 and facing Jermell Charlo does seem to be the direction that he wants, not... Fighting boots, Nsm one forty seven. Not necessarily fighting Spence again, although I'm sure you know with the contract set up and the money he would do that. You think that's that's where we'll see him? I mean, if he has two fights left on his PBC deal, which he does, what is the best hope for those? What is the most realistic hope for those two fights? Uh, We'll get to that Canelo part, you know, at the end, or if you bring it up as an answer, but. Could it be Jermell, Charlo, and Canelo to round out the three-fight deal? That'd be insane, right? That'd be insane.
1: The Canelo one I don't buy. The Canelo one I don't buy because I watched the interview that Crawford did with Ebro and uh, Peter Rosenberg, Mm -hmm. and in it, they're like, how far do you think you can go? He basically was like, realistically, because he was saying, you know, you could go pretty far, but like, you know, where winning and losing is a serious equation that You're talking about up and weight right yeah up and weight he was like 154 is basically as far as he sees himself going so the problem is it's like, like dude like here man th- like now it's i gotta tell you dude like after what crawford did i wish we could be like okay let's stop this charlo canelo thing i'm not sure who canelo's gonna fight maybe it's david benavidez maybe it's david morel jr
0: how about we just jamal, jamal right jamal
1: right and then fuck all that fuck even making a rematch with Spence you send bud crawford to 154 right now and he fights charlo for all of those belts because i want to see bud crawford try something ex- like if if anybody has the right to yeah. try something this difficult it is bud crawford um and i just feel like charlo's going to have to get big to get to 168 to fight canelo is he really going to go right back down to 154
0: he says yes? Man, I think I don't
1: know. I don't okay, know. So I believe that when I see it.
0: You'd be more than happy if the last two fights on Bud's deal was Jermell Charlo and then Tim Zoo, right? You'd be more than happy.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Okay, Tim regarding Zouard, Tim
1: Zoo would be a would be an interesting one too.
0: Now, let me talk about here about Bud at 160 and the idea. Now, I don't even know if Canelo can make 160 anymore. And even though Bud just had like the ultimate star-making all-time performance is Bud versus Charlo or Bud versus Canelo like big enough that Canelo would be willing to cut pounds down and you know it's like that's a question. It'd be a huge fight, but that's a question. I get and respect Bud voicing what he feels is his own physical limitations and the idea that he thinks he could go up to 54 and be the same guy and potentially dominate, but would have questions about himself and the danger. And I don't, you know, we we flippantly talk about fantasy matchmaking at times in the in the combat sports world sometimes because you get these rare aliens that do it. I mean, a new age just keeps moving up and carrying the power with him. But Luke, I almost wanna push back against Crawford's own built-in limitations. It's not that I'm not being respectful of the idea of how big of a leap it would be to go from welterweight 147 pounds to middleweight 160. It's rare that, you know, no one does that that instantly, right? It's usually if they, they get there over time. And typically like great welterweights who have moved up to middleweight You know, haven't always, I mean, except for like Sugar Ray Robinson hasn't always performed great. You know, like Oscar found his ceiling pretty quickly at middleweight um, and realized that wasn't for him. But we talk so much heading into Crawford Spence about how big Spence is. and, And Crawford looked like just as big with him, just as big as him and just as long as him. And he does have that perfect long frame that would add muscle, particularly shoulders and back, if he committed to this. Now, again, I don't know if Canelo would be motivated enough to ever make 60 again. And, you know, the idea of Crawford going up to 168 to fight for... I mean, now we're getting, like, super video game fantasy matchup. Like, you're asking somebody to be packing. Like, you're asking, like, ridiculous things. But the the gap in skill level that ended up being the case between Spence and Crawford, and maybe. Maybe, Luke, that is a... not a Not an aberration, but maybe Crawford dominating him that easily was an aberration, meaning if they fought five times in a row whatever, you know, would all of them look as dominant in that way? You know, like maybe Spence had the worst night, maybe physically, maybe something, but dude, he could go up to 54. And I'm starting to think even 60, he's a huge long welterweight and he wouldn't necessarily even need to put on a ton of muscle. If you wanted to rely on speed more again, I'm not saying that punches two divisions higher. Won't, you know, be a real threat to his chin and, and all this stuff. That's what all small fighters have to deal with. I just think he is so skilled, but has that also that backbone and that finishing mentality, that nasty mentality that, yeah, he'd have to rely on a lot of movement and boxing for sure. But him versus Canelo, if they could ever do that at 160, dude, I'm not looking at that as unrealistic, absurd, all this. I, if, if it ever could happen, dude, I think Crawford could win that fight Luke. And I don't think that's insane or like completely I, unrealistic. I don't like I, I said dude, know. I'm
1: not in a I'm not in a position to be like Crawford can't do that. I do think we have to be realistic. Like okay, so let's talk about what you would say is just absolutely not on the table. 168 seems fucking impossible, right? I mean, that's just way way too much, right? Okay, so you still think 160 is... I'm not saying he couldn't win fights at 160. I don't know how many belts he's winning up there versus 154 and by the way, Charlo, Jamel Charlo at 154, not a small guy at 154 yeah. at all. Like he's
0: no, big. Dude, that's a tough fight for Bud under every single circumstance. I think you are being so, too, like, you're getting to me naturally 60, I don't buy. I don't buy. But look, do you do you agree with this? People are just like, oh, Bud will kill Charlo. Dude, Charles' a bad dude. I'm not saying I think he should be favored to win against Crawford at 154. But Charlo's no chump. Whether we're talking about Jermell going up to fight Canelo, which he is, and I don't think people get, are giving him as much of a chance. And if Bud came up, even though I think Bud should be the favorite, dude, you got it. We got to see what Bud would look like against Charlo's quick, explosive counter punching. I mean, that that'd be something yeah. to watch, right there.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that Jermell Charlo is as good as Bud Crawford. That is absolutely not the point that I'm making. However, remember he has all the belts at this weight class. I'm looking at like the dude, the Castano win is nice. Um, are we re- stopping Tony Harrison the second time that they fought? Jason Rosario was nice, Austin, dude. Austin Trout, how about that win over Lubin, dude? Yeah. That fucking win where he 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 blocked it and then came up with these with the same punch on the same side, uh, or rather with the same hand anyway. I just re- absurd, absurd, uh, finish of, of Erickson Lubin. Um,
0: don't forget yeah, about dude, the Charles Hatley one, Luke Hatley never panned out from the amateur background he had, but I was at that knockout, dude. That was nasty the way he set that up and finished him dude that was that was insane so but but, and
1: also this is my point like he's very good he's not is he as technically skilled as bud crawford no i don't know you know not many guys are gonna be uh but he's good and he's big and that's a tough challenge and dude and also chart like jermel dude jermel is the better of the two i think and dude like that castaño win was nice like that I didn't think he won the first fight, and then for him to come out and then beat Castano again, I'm gonna say it one more time, dude. He accepted the fight on Castano's terms, yeah, and then beat him there. Like that's that's big boy shit. Like you got to give that guy his credit, you know. So,
0: uh, dude, seriously, a Crawford Charlo fight for all the belts, which I don't even know can happen because as we even record this, they're talking about elevating Zoo and one of the four sanctioning bodies and stripping Jermel. Basically, the the, the news is that Jermel can enter the Charlo fight. As the undisputed 154 champion, but the second the fight starts, he will be stripped, I believe, of the WBO, which would then be see zoo upgrade. So it's political semantics. But with all that said, stylistically, like, or in, in terms of, of knocking on the door to get you fired up to be entertained, dude, Charlo versus Bud is going, if they can get there, is a hellacious fight. I, I would love that. But we do have to see the fallout, like you said, of how does Charlo do against Canelo? Does that lead him to want to? move right from there up to middleway You know, I don't think so because there's money at the table. He's been building to this zoo fight for a while. He only took the Canelo fight because brother wasn't ready. um I think he would want to fight Charlo to defend his gym, Luke, right? I think he would.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean...
0: I mean, not Charlo, uh, but uh Crawford, Bud Crawford is what I'm saying. I think Charlo yeah. would want to fight Bud Crawford. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yes, yes, I agree. Yes, I do think okay. he would take that. I think he thinks he can win that fight, and maybe he can't. But uh, for sure, yeah. And also, mm-hmm. let's say it one more time, dude. Bud Crawford turned into a, a star on Saturday night. Like he's a bona fide yeah. star. In fact, at the time of the this comes out, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that, like, in the coming weeks, let's say, I would expect you to see Bud Crawford go on a substantial media tour, a substantial one. So, Bud Crawford is about to blow the fuck up, everybody.
0: Wow, Luke Thomas in the house. All right. Let's keep these questions going. Luke, would you grade the early questions we've read so far from our fans as decent? As yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I guess, yeah. It's the All first, right. it's
1: the first 20 minutes of Dune, you know?
0: Okay. Let's hear. Yeah, got Dune, man, don't get me going. Connor Vaughn 3510 is on the horn here. He says, I know MMA fighters routinely cut 20 to 25 pounds on fight week. How much do boxers typically cut? Is it the same amount? I know wrestlers were the ones that started bringing weight cutting into fighting. Luke, I have known from hearing things covering boxing for years that it's definitely substantial weight cutting like MMA. And there are definitely at times fighters that are weight bullies like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Quickly became a clown. But there was a point where he was a viable middleweight, even won a title because he'd fight smaller fighters and, and rehydrate to basically a cruiserweight and just be this zombie that is walking you down forever. And when he was taking things more seriously back then, he could box a little and go to the body and just overwhelm you. But I don't think they are cutting as massive. Every once in a while, Brandon Rios was a very dangerous cutter. He'd cut 25 pounds overnight, like just stupid numbers. But I think it's more prevalent in MMA and by extension, Amateur wrestling, tell me if I'm wrong, to do these routine, ridiculous, ri- oversized cuts that inevitably put you one step closer.
1: Yeah, there's no denying. I mean, the, the reasons for it are pretty simple. Like, you know, obviously, re- like the more a community does something, the better they're going to be at it, right? So, like, the wrestlers do have, you know, good practices on losing weight. How healthy they are, I don't know. But, like, in terms of accomplishing the goal of making the weight that they've got, you know, they've got a refined process, relatively speaking. That's the first thing I'd say. But also, like, it's just the demands are different. Now, if you're wrestling a tournament and you're really trying to advance, you know, this can get complicated. But remember, BC, if I'm wrestling, what am I wrestling for? Two minutes, three minutes, you know, these bursts, right? That's just so different from boxing where if you have a 12-round bout and then you have, you know, one minute in the middle – Dude, we're talking, you know, uh, even an MMA bout with one minute in the middle is only 30. Just the 36 minutes from the 12 rounds is more than that. Then you add in all the other ones. And I know you're not getting beat on. I'm just saying it lengthens the process in those middle stages. And so it's just much more taxing, much more unforgiving. And so boxers have not been, I think, as willing to make some of those demands. And MMA is weird, too, because like, you know, back when guys made substantial cuts like, you know, Matt Hughes or whatever, they would still just wrestle you and get on top where they're fighting you on like completely advantageous terms and re- like little wrestling terms you know uh, yeah. but now in modern MMA we know how bad it is it's harder to pull that off blah 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 but guys still cut a lot in MMA they still cut a lot
0: yeah I wish people would fight at their own weight and be healthier and yeah but you know Luke people want the edge right that's why they use performance enhancing drugs they want that edge
1: when people say I'm, um, they're looking for any edge. They're looking for any edge.
0: No, they're like, looking uh, for drugs. Yeah. No. no and, well, also, yeah, and also,
1: and also, and also, whip. in the back of an Arby's. But, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I mean, you know, could, could I say I'm proud of that, Luke? No, but you know, a Jamilka shaking at one hand, a beef and cheddar in the other, some good friends. You know, I've never yeah.
1: had a, if Okay. What? Let me. Oh, let me ask you. Let me ask you. Here's
0: my mailbag.
1: Yeah. Here's my mail yeah. bag.
0: Oh wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging low, yeah, <laughs> indeed, yeah, yeah,
1: like Doug Stanhope says, like pulling the pizza slice away from oh, the pie, so the, the cheese just stretches. That's like a, okay, uh, what would you okay? You take me into an Arby's, we're on a best friend date, yeah, right? I like
0: this, okay?
1: So here we go, your job. Is to convince me with one order, and you can't. You can order a bunch of stuff, but you can't overwhelm me.
0: No, I don't, I, I got it. It's the only okay. order that. Hold matters. on, hold on, hold on.
1: Let me, let me set it up. Timeless. Let me set it up. You got to make sure I get an order that convinces
0: me to come back a second time. What yes. am I eating at Arby's? You are eating the best meal that they offer, the timeless classic that's still available all the time, <laughs> and the only one I ever eat every three years when I come back into an Arby's and rekindle that nostalgia they're just hard to find in connecticut they're very random but beef and cheddar or most likely get two beef and cheddars side of curly fries now i'm going to force you though to put ketchup on one of the beef and cheddars and rb sauce on the other rb sauce is like this combo of ketchup and barbecue kind of with something else in there it's not overpowering it's, it works out um and then luke you got to get the jamoka shake which is I, I believe it's, uh, well, it's, you know, the mocha part of it, you, it makes sense. But there's almost like a banana taste in that mocha as well. It's it's an incredible shake, Luke. I just think that that's the experience. I know Arby has tried to pivot into not just having the meats, Luke. Like, you know, I think that meal would change you, Luke. As a fast food meal, it's like gourmet fast food to me. Maybe it's, but again, maybe it's because I didn't have access you had to go to waterbury you had to go deep into waterbury too like the north end like you had to go you had to want to be there It was right next to the long hill projects luke where you could uh go through the weed drive through setup they had but you had to like dodge the police car like there's a lot and then if if, the, if it was hot if and i don't mean temperature luke i mean police presence you'd have to get out of your car and go behind the fence and then you're risking your life you know what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah um mikey is bc right about the arby's order what do you think Type it in. If he's still, he might. He says, "I don't know." Like you don't go to Arby's.
0: He Arby's gross uh, as fuck. <laughs> so wait, Mikey grew up. Mikey, you grew up in Jersey in your formative years. I know that's a big White Castle area. Is there not Arby's? White or Castles
1: or? that we had. So in the South, we had the exact same thing as White Castle. It was called Crystal.
0: Dude, Crystal rules. Can I tell you a Crystal story? Yeah. You Ever hang out with Brett Okamoto, Luke? Not to bang him, just to hang out with him. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: I have in the past, yes.
0: I mean, look, you know what wanna said about him. He is a fitness guru, that guy, Luke. He doesn't put anything foul in his body. He's a, you know, he, he, you know what I mean? So I was, we were driving around Atlanta, UFC 201 week, Luke. you Remember that card? What was the main event at UFC 201?
1: UFC, I don't remember.
0: Robbie Lawler versus um, Tyron Woodley. Right oh, that's there?
1: where he won the title, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Rose versus Carolina in the co-main, by the way. Um, and, I, you know, I'm like, dude, can you pull over, like, a fast food or something? I got to crush something. I was in between meals, but I needed to crush something. Luke, that's pre-black liver diagnosis, by the way. It was a little more loose in turn four, you know, like, like the Intimidator, R.I.P. Um, but – we go up to the drive-through, and dude, I used to hit cru- Crystals um, on the on the drive to Florida as a kid, right? They're all over the south, along with Shoney's Breakfast Buffet, which I can't wait to hear you talk about. How many times you've torn up Big John style in Tokyo that restroom at Shoney's? But Luke Thomas, I'm actually talking about. Um, I was like, all right, Brett, uh, I got I got like six singles. i let me get let me get off their dollar menu. Let me get like you know cheeseburger, like onion rings, mozzarella sticks. Like, dude, I was going like around the globe. It was like the Epcot beer and wine tour but in fast food form and that man Brett Okamoto who was driving not only refused to order anything from this this sloppy hellhole, in his words Luke but he refused to touch it when the drive-thru person passed it through the window and he was so turned off by how like just despicable my order was from top to bottom and you know what dude Crystal is solid man solid i'm not surprised
1: i'm not surprised uh okamoto did that that sounds about right i would have i would have indulged a little bit i definitely would have indulged a little bit i can't lie
0: i mean dude you uh, hit a boshone's breakfast buffet as a kid right they were they're all over the south
1: i don't think i ever did that my mom my mom my mom was ahead of the curve in like talking us out of eating processed foods she knew back in the 80s my mom so that's the thing like like my mom grew up You know, people always talk about the Mediterranean diet, dude. That was just how my mom ate. Yeah, what I mean, like before I ever had a name, my mom would eat all of. And when I I I remember one time looking when someone's like, "We got to have a Mediterranean diet," and then you'd look at it's like, "Dude, this is all the shit my mom made me as a kid all the time." You know, so that's pretty.
0: That's pretty awesome that she was. Yeah. So we she would
1: she would never we would eat like you know my dad uh, because my parents were obviously divorced. So like my dad would take us to McDonald's and stuff like that. So I definitely had it but it was pretty sparingly relative to people whose parents were just like whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, my parents were definitely like whatever, but I think it's because Luke, you know, my parents grew up in the late 50s, in the 60s, so I think to them as kids going to earlier McDonald's, this is my theory, I think that they still looked at it as like a restaurant, not a elbow, armpit grease, hellhole, right? So yeah. by the time we came around, dude, we had McDonald's like once a week for dinner, and that doesn't count like the times you're driving and you can like convince your parents with like a last minute, oh, you know, no, Hail Mary no, no. attempt never, to no, get like no. milkshakes or fries or something. Right. No, that was like one meal a week was like, yeah, we'll go to McDonald's. I think they just didn't know better. But then dude, the 80s was in there and especially the 90s was the breakout. It was the peak of processed food, dude. I think 75 percent of the meals I ate in high school where you know heated up in the microwave and or oh, yeah or were dude i would put plastic in the microwave back then all the time like oh, you all yeah. the stuff you wouldn't do now all that's like- okay
1: how about this my mom never had a microwave in the house wouldn't allow it wouldn't oh allow God. it
0: okay so like when if I you would-
1: want if you wanted to pull fries for example out of the freezer and just you know bang some out and just eat some dog you had to preheat the oven <laughs> oh you had to God. lay you had to lay them out on tin foil you know what i'm saying like on a on a tray And then we had to bake them, like that was so. Like there was, it was always easier just to eat like whatever she was willing to make, or you know was you know that kind of stuff.
0: Like what, like soy chips and plantains? No,
1: no, 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 no. But like for example, we always had rice on hand, just always. There was always rice. We always had rice. My mom always had salads. Like every day we had salad. Like every single day of my life with my mom, we ate salad. Um, And so. She was also a good cook. So, on occasions, there would be pastries and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, obviously, you ate a lot of uh, animal protein, but. Um, I, I grew up on hummus. I grew up on Cebule. I grew up on like the stuff was just
0: always around. That's know? actually awesome. And and it's great to have that in your sort of foundation that is natural for you. Um, but, Luke, I, I think I said this before. I'm, you're not going to be surprised when I moved out when I was 21 and got a third floor dirt hole apartment, <laughs> literally over the town green in my town. Like remember on the do- documentary when I was like dancing around the town green, like right the apartment was like right there. 25-cent beers at Melissa's Cafe, right? A couple, like a block over. Um, But, uh, dude, I didn't use the stove one time in the five years that I lived there, Luke. One time a girlfriend cooked me mac and cheese on that stove. I didn't use the stove or the oven one time in five years. Do you realize I had, because my aunt's, knew that I had moved out. So like for Christmas, they'd buy me like a Costco sized row of like Chef Boy RD cans. So like a 50 pack or something, dude, I had mounds of those in my kitchen on the floor. And I, I mean, that was, that was a lot of my meals. Do you know how, no wonder why I have a black liver? Like, do you know how, cause all my other meals were just takeout. It was takeout and Chef boy RD, dude, I, you know, Luke, I probably could have died. Like I used to play a ball in my twenties and fall to a knee and not in and, and not be able to see because it'd be all like blotches of colors. Like I was that out of shape at times, Luke. You know?
1: Yeah, that's not my upbringing. I mean, don't get me wrong. When you know it was time for dad to watch us, there was a oh, lot yeah. of Del Taco in the back of the car. Let there, make, oh, <laughs> let yeah. there, be, let there be no mistake about it. But <laughs> dude, my mom was my mom was a when it came to that kind of stuff. She was a disciplinarian, man. All
0: right, all right. You what do you ever think about? Breaking out that whip and being like Tukey, your days of eating sweets are over.
1: Nah, not we don't have to fight her too hard. But like, it, what bums me out is like when she was a baby, when she was six months old, we took her to Columbia and then we were at some restaurant and someone at the we were it was a big family dinner, for my wife's family, and like someone at the table actually ordered hummus, and um, you know, it's the consistency is soft for a six month old to eat basically, and so I was like she was hungry and I didn't know what else to feed her, so I tried I give her some and she loved it. She loved it. Oh, and it was so touching for me, right? I was like, oh, my God, here's my daughter eating hummus. Yes. You know, my mom My mom would be so happy, you know? And uh, and then, like, a year later, she's like, ugh, I hate hummus. It's, it's gross. And I'm like, no.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. No. But she did. I have, I have to work on it now. Does your dad try to get a head start diplomatically and teach her, like, about global politics and stuff?
1: Hmm. No. All right. no, he keeps it pretty basic.
0: <laughs> his, yeah, okay. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't know what his what his limits were, Luke. I love that guy. Uh, let's I'm hear sure a question. He will, I'm sure
1: he will if he's around long enough,
0: but yeah, um, yeah. You know. Uh, you'd be like, when I was in Doha, come over here, too, because I got a story. He's for definitely
1: you. told, he'll definitely tell me anything I ask for sure. He'll do that, okay?
0: We'll do okay. that. Uh, Luke, this is Corey Pope 7400. Now, look, he's trying to ask us our top five most exciting active fighters in the UFC. But I feel like we have done that before in different various ad nauseum ways. So Luke, I got two different questions for you related to this. Would you rather answer his question or my two related ones? Why don't you go first and then I'll go second. How about that? Luke, who are your five favorite active boxers to watch?
1: Well, you gotta put Bud Crawford on that list.
0: I mean, yeah, kind of yeah.
1: kind of starts with him. Um, so then it's gotta be Boots Ennis after okay. that. Okay. Then it's gotta be active boxers, right? Uh yep. Arturba Oh,
0: yeah. By the way, he just pulled out of that Callum Smith fight. He got really? hurt. Yeah, he can't stop getting hurt. That guy.
1: Um, probably because he's training like a maniac, yeah. So those the his those three for sure then i guess you would put in a way on that list for me yeah yeah and this again this is not a ranking of the best all stuff i mean it's kind of like these guys are all champs but i'm just telling you which ones i've like i've gotten the most joy from or whatever and then last on that list ooh, that's a tough one
0: yeah, you gotta have tank come on you gotta have tank
1: yeah it's gotta be tank it's gotta be tank yeah. tank is be the benavidez plant fight was really good but yeah
0: and i've never been a tank super fan and and you know like sometimes you just get attached to guys and you're like okay that's my guy like like spence has been my guy it's probably no surprise that i picked him although i think there was great justification if that was the lane you went but yeah tank spence still dude spence makes just such high-skilled fun fights i i don't i don't know if he's good i don't know how he's going to bounce look there's there are people Kenny yeah, board, there's man, a lot of people know, saying dude. like he should retire i don't know if that's fair like doesn't that seem extreme
1: I think until you've seen him at 154, it's not fair. I will yeah. say that. I think until you've seen him at 154, it's not fair. But BC, this is what I've been thinking of. And I was I told you, like, man, Bud Crawford was so right, dude. You gotta watch this interview with um with Rosenberg and Ebro. Hot
0: 97. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah, it. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And basically what he says in there, he dude, he was right. He's like, when Spence came back and he had the Danny Garcia fight, you know, he looked good, but it didn't look all the way back. And you know, and then uh, there was what was the other one? It was the uh um, the porter uzona there was, was a porter fight too, or whatever he didn't look himself in but what he was saying was by the time he got to Ugas he said he looked sensational and that's exactly what i said to you last week cuz yes. it's true like the, to me he looked m- by the by the time the ugas fight came around he did look good so there's these questions of like what does the what is the retina surgery what is the car crash the horrible car crash and then you know what did it all amount to And it's like well if he looked good in the ugas fight maybe nothing but now you add in this beating he took from bud that went for 9 rounds It probably could have gotten stopped before that um, dude, at some point, all of that has to weigh into something. The car crash, yeah. the surgery, the beating Bud gave him. Like, this has to end. Like, there's no way he's the same guy at this point. I just no, feel like and, at 154, but, you're going to get a better look.
0: He's also kind of lived hard, even separate from the crash, Luke, and the recovery. Like, a big part of the undisciplined attack he had against Porter, which was the fight that was like two weeks before that big accident, was that he was, you know, he was drinking a lot in between camps. And was, you know, like, there was that time... When he got in the ring after after Sean Porter beat Danny Garcia in Brooklyn, Spence got in the ring and they kind of did a little back and forth to set up their pay-per-view, which was going to be next. And I don't know if you remember that, Luke, but Spence he did like the we good friends. I love your daddy. Well, let's get it on. But He did like a press afterwards, like the press conference and dude, he was like hammered, like slurring his speech. okay, not a big deal. You can go out to a fight and get loaded, whatever. But what we found out after the fact from the accident was that he was very undisciplined in, in blowing up in weight between camps during that sort of prime original run. And we just didn't really realize it. So while it's good that he was able to turn that around and use that. You know, his his body's been through a bit. And even in these most recent wins, like the Ugas one, he was, you know, he was right there in, in the pocket, willing to trade and eat punches. Um, He also has had like years off, a year off at a time between fights and didn't fight at all in 2021. So that can make it hard. Because notice, the one thing he didn't say after this loss to Crawford was, first of all, he wouldn't give an excuse, which I respect. But he wouldn't lean on the weight cut. He never brought it up. He only brought up that his timing was off. So you just have to wonder that when you are, when you are when you have these other factors, and that's not to make excuses. Bud trounced him, and probably you know would have under any circumstance from based on that experience. But um, you might not, you know, like it's gambling when you're off for a year, a year and a half, and then you try to come back for a super big fight. You're gambling that, especially at this age now in his 30s, that. You're just going to be 100 percent. Everything's going to click when you're not active. You're always taking that risk. And sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. There's a lot of other factors, too, which I don't think we weigh in, even for established fighters, confidence, doubt, things like that. So it is kind of a perfect, an imperfect formula to produce the best out of a fighter on any given night. But I don't know, Luke, at the end of the day, Crawford, yes, deserves all the flowers from that win. And yes, I do think we have right to be to question Spence's actual future. But I still can't get over that he wasn't competitive at all. Almost like I'm trying to find what was the answer. What was the let me reason tell you something. why?
1: Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. And again, we've, I've kind of been discussing this. I can't remember who we've talked to. If we, if we literally talked about this 20 minutes ago, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm just kind of all over the place. But I had a talk with someone inside the industry today in boxing. And they asked me, what did you think? How bad was the weight cut? And you and I have talked about this. We we think it matters enough that you have to acknowledge it, but it's not really what decided it. It's just not like the, what decided it is Bud's extraordinary skill and performance, right? That's what decided it. So I do think you'll get something different at 154, but given the skill gap, you would favor Bud. But I will say this, BC, the layoff after Ugas, I think that played a big role because. If you go back and you listen to Derek James in the corner, uh, he is telling Spence not only to do stuff that Spence wasn't doing, but it's stuff he's done in other fights, dude. Like I noticed it from the tape study, he was saying all the things. I'm like, oh my god, dude, this is like straight from the Kel Brook fight. One, it was a different stance, but like one of the attacks he warned him to do on the inside, and I was like, dude, he is off. He's completely off. Now I think Bud. Dropping him in the second round clearly had an impact and rattled him. And then he just, people were like, oh, he didn't have a, this is the other part too. Like, oh, he didn't have a, a, another game plan. Well, no, he didn't have a counter fighting. But like his A game, ladies and gentlemen, Errol Spence's A game is before he fought Bud Crawford, overwhelming against every stance, every body type, every style, every, every, everything he had ever faced. It swallowed all of it. It's just against Bud, it, it, there was simply nothing he could do. But I think the fact that he was so out of rhythm, which Bud's skill gap exacerbated, honestly, I think that had more to do with the result than the weight cut. That's a personal opinion.
0: Yeah, and I, and I don't say any of that to, to take anything away from uh, – Yeah, no, oh, we didn't Jesus. need that. We didn't need that. Um, to take anything away from Bud, obviously, it's just that, look, we've covered Spence a long time. It was shocking that that there were yeah. – you know, he tried – Tried to have moments. There were no moments. More or less. In the end, uh, you rounded out your five favorite boxers. I think you got to have Usyk in there for me personally. Shakur Stevenson, Jermel. I mean, I could just keep naming, but it's like, how about Benavides and Morel? Both of those guys, I think, are really fun to watch. There's there's a there's a huge amount right now, and the best part is all these guys, for the most part, are young. I could add Teofimo in there. He's a reality show. Uh, you have to watch him, Luke, in that there. But I wanted to spin off this guy's question, Corey Pope, seventy four hundred. And you think I'm going to entrap you, but I'm not. Luke, he wanted to know your five favorite active UFC fighters to watch. But again, we've done that. So what are your five favorite female UFC or MMA fighters to watch? And again, I'm not trying to trap you about looks or Instagram or only Like all
1: time or right now?
0: No, active fighters right now. Which five females are you like? Does their game make you the most intrigued when you watch?
1: It's a good question. Let me see. Let me think about that. Um. For sure, Blanchfield, Aaron Blanchfield, gotta be top of that list. She is an exciting moment. Tatiana Suarez. Yep. For sure her.
0: Dude, how about Dern? She's got to be in there too. She
1: was and she fell out. And then she had that last performance. So now I guess she's on the bubble for me. You know? Yeah. She might be going to the NIT. I'm not sure if she's gonna, <laughs> I'm not sure if she's gonna play in the round of 64. Um, I'm still trying to decide. But okay, so those two for sure. You know, I would say Shevchenko. I think that uh, there's a lot of people online that are horny for her, and it's overwhelming and off-putting. But her skill and her accomplishment have been important, and uh, I've enjoyed watching it. She's brilliant um, to
0: watch. I think even when the fights get boring, and sometimes they are for her opponents don't engage, I just think she's brilliant to watch. It's, it's Yeah,
1: it's- for sure. Obviously, I have great appreciation for Zhang Li, but I don't know if she's like... I mean, it because she's champion. It is destination viewing. I just don't have the same kind of uh, sentimental attachment in that way. I'm trying to think, dude. Are we? Sl- oh, you know what? Um,
0: maybe Stamp Fairtex. You know? Oh she yeah. Puts on, yeah, she puts on fun fights, bro. Like it, they're not. There's know. there's a high charisma entertainment value to that, and when she mixes it with savagery, it's 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 worth a watch. Yeah, definitely.
1: I I, I feel like like. I don't know. It's weird. I I the women's game, you know, for example, like someone like Erin Blanchfield, I'm so glad she's here because this next generation of well-roundedness, the, the modern MMA game, she can do all the things that a modern MMA fighter is supposed to do and then certain things exceedingly well. And she's she's like vicious and mean. Uh, you like, this is what you want, right? Like a young person who like, she's like, she, she reminds me of Ilya Teporia or or vice versa. Like these young guns who are already so skilled, just kind of like mowing people down. Like you really love it. But the women's game, I feel like maybe several years ago, around the time of Rhonda just had more personalities that were bigger, you know, and I don't know what to attribute that to. Um, maybe the media coverage of the women's game, maybe it's just, you know, it ebbs and it flows. I don't know. But I feel like Stamp Fairtex. Like I don't know that I rate her on the way that I would rate, you know. I don't watch her for the same reasons I would necessarily watch Aaron Blanchfield. But one has done a good job of celebrating her personality, and it makes a difference in the end, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. I still think Rose is the most interesting female fighter to watch. Look, these the fights She's are great. always always something going on in those fights for sure. She's great. Um, She's great. Look, David Kirsch five nine six four has a wordy question this is kind of interesting guarantee
1: that's his pin number so if you get his credit card just drain that that. bank account
0: um (laughs) wow with the reports of disney thinking about selling small stakes of espn to leagues like the nba and nfl instead of seeing espn outright instead of selling espn outright excuse me do you think that endeavor could be one of the companies that they sell a stake of espn to if disney goes down that route and if so, how do you think that would impact the number of cards in UFC per year and the quality of the cards? So, Luke, they're saying if parent company Disney starts selling pieces of ESPN and Endeavor buys it, would that give them more influence, to Or how yeah. would that affect their yeah, matchmaking? I mean,
1: I, I, I'm i just completely of the belief that, like, here's how you know me and BC are old. I think I, – I you can pull the camera back there, Mike. Yeah, kind of <laughs> right. Right. Here
0: yeah, this is usually where I touch myself while Luke talks. So please, thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet I bet you do. Sick Arby's Eating Bastard. Um, but uh oh god, now you got me derailed. What the hell are we talking about? Disney and stock and Endeavor. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean that's how you know we're old. It's like I think sports journalism is basically going away. I think the sports influencer world. And it's sort of a broad term for a lot of different things that get called influencer that aren't necessarily that way. But anyway, you get the idea. Um, any, like all of these old legacy media outlets and media businesses right now in trouble and in a lot of different ways. And I just like, you know, people asking tough questions, making it hard. Every, everything is about brands working together. Everything is about, um, you know, uh, like no one is trying to work um. Everything is about access. Everything, everything is about like shutting up about any bad questions, taking the money where it's coming from, celebrating who the, the people are you get told to celebrate, and then moving on to the next job the next week over. Like All of, all of the stuff that sports journalism used to do is so clearly going away. I don't know where it's going to go. There's some market for it. I don't know. So to your point, I absolutely think if, if they put it up for sale, Endeavor would try to buy it. Whether they would, I don't know. But I think they would, and if they did, I one billion percent believe. Like, dude, they, when does the UFC buy something and then soft touch it? Like, it's just not what they do. It's not what they do. What they do is control. What they do is fastball. What they do is 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 what they do is is that all the time. It's the it's what they know. It's been their key to success. It's been their key to domination. They're not about to change it now. One thousand percent, they would use that to leverage more favorable coverage, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a world that we well, should. just please. a
0: slow play to get slapdick on the uh, plus, Luke? <laughs> Dude,
1: I, you really need to consider something. I don't know if you've been following it because now, I mean, we'll talk about this on the show tomorrow. I mean, so this will be a repeat from what we've already talked about by the time people see this because we're in a weird space in the space-time continuum. <laughs> but this, the ABC had a meeting in Las Vegas over the week. Have you been paying attention
0: to this at all? No. No, I don't. Oh, I don't man. typically pay attention to things. Luke, you know well, this. Well,
1: dude, I got to tell you, like a lot of it's no big deal. A lot of it is, you know, um, stuff that doesn't really matter. Minor adjustments to some kind of esoteric rule, or here's some on-the-job training for referees and whatever stuff that wasn't doesn't necessarily impact us day to day. But some of the bigger stuff is, and it turns out that Colorado's commission for sanctioning one is kind of on the outside looking in. Number one, like they are apparently like, I don't know if they've been ostracized fully, but Mike Mazzulli took to Twitter to, to kind of like chastise him about sort of misrepresenting something. And, you know, other people speaking to this have kind of indicated that Colorado has been somewhat, you know, pushed out a little bit. But the bigger part is a UFC rep went up there and said quite clearly they want to sanction it uh, slap in 50 states. And dude, these commissions clearly don't view themselves as watchdog. They view themselves as a little bit more like chamber of commerce, is what I would say, where they're kind of trying to find a create way to create favorable environments. There was that article about the Utah Essential Commission basically paying for UFC to come out there and doing what they were doing twice in a row. But like they they were, you know, there were doctors that did like ringside physicians that were saying like some of the seizures from Slap are the worst they've ever seen. The point I'm trying to make is if the UFC really believes they can make money off Slap, and if they believe that they can do this on the cheap, which is what I, what I think they can do, and they can use their regulatory might to force the states to do it, and then the states who don't don't get UFC, well, dude, all of a sudden, slap is now much more a part of the culture because it has truly been forced into it in a way where all of the things that were supposed to be in place to stop it no longer can. I got to tell you, that's not like, like people are like, why are you down on MMA these days? I got to tell you, there's some stuff happening I don't really like all yeah. that much.
0: This is top of the list. Luke, we don't typically get biblical on the show, but I don't know if you've read Revelations. Do you think dick is ultimately the mark of the beast, Luke? The mark of the least. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not getting that mark on me. All right, I have very few minutes left, Luke. So um, at yav 3 what is your favorite discontinued foods? <laughs> that's a hot <laughs> that's a trigger,
1: you, dude. You know what shut down, and I forgot to tell you. So, I, I actually hadn't been in forever because I was like, someone, I, I like, what was the last time I went to Burger King? I don't even know, I don't know. I don't dude, know, when struggling Burger
0: King, yeah,
1: yeah. So, dude, there was a Burger King in the northwest side of town here in DC. You can look this up. Um, they just shut it down maybe like a month ago or so, something like maybe a little bit longer than that, but like recently. And inside, it was the last Burger King in America filled it with like from top to bottom with all the 80s nostalgia, all like the Back to the Future, E.T., you know, you name it, kind of like figurines and like wall art. And the booths were made like that back in those old 80s style. They had preserved basically 80s Burger King Americana. They shut it
0: down, bro. It was the last one. Can you believe that? That pisses me off as a long-time connoisseur of that type of bullshit. But, look, you know, I'm going to be fair. I've never been a BK guy. I've certainly absolutely dominated it a lot in my life, but I've never yeah. been a, a – ne- You know what? So like, like, the
1: meat patties are too dry. Even when they cook them, they're too dry.
0: Yeah, there's a lot in general I don't like. Like, when,
1: like Wendy's, it. like, for example, Wendy's makes the double and the triple stack, but their burgers are real greasy. Like, it all fits together. Burger King, it always feels like you're just eating three different layers of, like, wallpaper. Yeah, <laughs> you so you they? never
0: – you ever like injure your right wrist and then you have to wipe with your offhand Luke. And it's just like, you trying to get in that rhythm. is just the word. And like, you'd be standing only, early, only when I so, stand.
1: Yeah. Only when yes,
0: I stand. But um, I feel like eating Burger King is like the fast food version of that. It just feels like in an alternate universe, like McDonald's was like the main one. And then Wendy's was like special because we didn't have it available in a short drive. But um, yeah, Burger King was always like that wannabe to me, Luke. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's, I, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite either. Yeah. It's not my favorite either.
0: All right, that'll have to do it, Luke. I've got I've got dinner to attend to. Um, it's been a pleasure, um, you know, feeling our feeling up this bag, the mail bag of these people, <laughs> of these male P ones. You know, Luke, it would be it would be Shakespearean if not ironic, don't you think? Or whatever the term should be, if you die by the sword of an MKP one one day.
1: Yeah, there's like, there's kidding. like
0: a poetic justice in that. It there is yeah. like it's, it'd be yeah. sad. Like yeah. I'd mourn you if, to a certain degree, but like that yeah. there would be a, a like sort of an epic level of poetic justice to that.
1: I mean, getting knifed at a, uh, a you know a bar for some tweet up would be quite. <laughs> appropriate i feel like getting you know?
0: shivved yeah that'd be good i mean that's the way that's the mk way right there <laughs>
1: calling someone's tattoo like rough someone just comes yeah. and knifes me right between the yeah. six and Well,
0: <laughs> oh, that's a sour note to- and not, luke i'm sorry about that uh thank you Luke. you want to take us out of here i'll just sit here and uh and hope that yeah yeah
1: no what is your order tonight tell us what you're eating and then we'll go
0: well i'm going to the uh chop house and you know i i am allowed when one beef meal per week. Uh so I'm going I haven't done the steak. Steak's hurt. I mean they hurt bad, Luke. My my liver's not made for steaks anymore. But I'm thinking about doing a steak.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Well, don't you go dying on me.
0: Either that or you know, I've been getting the scallops lately when I'm not paying when you know, when other people <laughs> I'm not a paying. scallop
1: guy. I'm not a scallop guy. I mean
0: guy. when done right, it is it They're is They're good.
1: They're good. I, I well. I've eaten them. I eat them, but I'm not a scallop but guy. Scallop guys we, are weird.
0: If they miss on it, it's like it sounds like a cover band and it tastes gross. You know what I mean? Like it's like, there's times when I don't know. I feel like barbecue ribs is the same thing. Luke, it it has to be top shelf or I can't do it. It's like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. I think we're done. That's Brian
1: Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. (laughs) Leave us a (laughs) review. Please don't fire us. (laughs) Bye everyone.